Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, this is Tommy D from Token Tracks, and I just want to say everything is better with creators. The podcast you're listening to on Wayla. Definitely, definitely check this out. This is the best podcast for creatives. Have you been wondering what an NFT is and how they're actually changing the game for artists, musicians, videographers, and yes, online creators? That's why we're excited to welcome to the podcast, Tommy Asher Danvers, better known as Tommy D. If you know one thing about Tommy, it's that he's the mastermind behind one of the catchiest dance songs of all time. Right said Fred's I'm too sexy for my love. Tommy has also worked with many of the world's top musicians, including Kylie Minogue, Kanye West, Jay-Z, Beyonce, Adele. And yes, he has the ultimate mark of songwriter cred, penning the lead track for the 2015 Disney movie Cinderella. More recently, Tommy founded Token Tracks, an NFT marketplace for musicians. It promises to launch a new era for the music community by providing fair rewards for musicians that can be shared with fans everywhere. On this episode of Everything is Better with Creators, we'll catch up with Tommy D and get his take on how NFTs are changing, well, everything. Roll the intro. Everything is better with Creators, the podcast that takes a deep dive into all things creator economy. Produced and presented by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. With your hosts, Ashley Rudder, Emma Harmon, Jamie Goodfriend, and Marco Batozzi. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of Everything is Better with Creators. I'm Marco Bertozzi, your guide to all things happening in the creator economy. Every week, myself or my colleagues, Jamie Goodfriend, Emma Harmon, or Ashley Rudder will be hosting this podcast. Whaler Watching. Everything is better with creators. How you can help musicians in the creator economy cut out the middleman. Kanye had Rockefeller, Lily Allen had MySpace, One Direction had X Factor. 
and producer Amorphis has YouTube, the young DJ who began remixing hip-hop classics with contemporary pop hits and uploading them to YouTube has just signed with Empire Record Label. Amorphous's YouTube page has 104,000 subscribers and his biggest mix, Ariana Grande and Nelly Furtado's Promiscuous Motive, has over 12 million views. Now at 23 years old, he is producing hits for Kalani, Kelly Rowland, DJ Khaled and Fat Joe. A Rihanna and Luther Vandross mashup led the mix to be used for Fat Joe's Sunshine, which has reached 31 million views on YouTube. Musicians back in the day would send in their tapes in the hopes that some intern would take a listen to their music and give them a ring. That's no longer the case here. Musicians can market their music to listeners by uploading a song online. If they're lucky, their music spreads like wildfire across TikTok, Spotify and SoundCloud. Just look at Billie Eilish. Ocean Eyes was uploaded to SoundCloud for her dance class and within a year, the 16-year-old was a Grammy winner. But just because the artist finds an audience online doesn't mean they get lucky with their music profits. Musicians for years have been sharing profits from streaming platforms with their management and labels. Due to the pandemic, touring had stopped, leading to another stream of income being paused. So musicians have been finding ways to go around music label contracts. Hello, NFTs. Music NFTs, that is. I'm sure you're thinking, oh, not another NFT conversation. In the words of DJ Khaled, another one. Now listen up, a non-fungible token, but this time it isn't a digital artwork, it's music. By buying a musician's NFT, you are not only helping fund the artist, but buying shares in future royalties. Think part GoFundMe, part Robin Hood stock. Imagine the amount of profit if the once underground artists like Doja Cat, Meg Thee Stallion and Ed Sheeran had NFTs available in their beginning of their careers. For instance, you're sitting on your IKEA couch, strolling through TikTok and come across a catchy song. You find the artist online and see, hmm, they don't have too many followers and haven't hit the mainstream yet. That catchy song you like is available to be bought as an NFT. You buy a couple of shares, let's say a couple of hundred dollars. Some time passes, the once underground song hits big. Guess what? You and the artist have profits. That $200 became $200,000. Artists such as Linkin Park, Kings of Leon, Dead Mouse, and Snoop Dogg are all shifting over to the NFT business. Now you can really say on Twitter, I knew them before they hit big and cash in. Up next for our big interview is music producer Tommy D. Get ready for that mic drop. Just a reminder that Everything is Better with Creators is brought to you by Whaler. The Whaler Way combines tech, talent, and creative social strategy to match brands with creators and produce authentic content that people really want to see. Whaler is democratizing the creative process for brands and creators by empowering a global talent network of thousands of influencers, tastemakers, creatives, and storytellers to connect with your target audience, making advertising more inclusive, diverse, and effective. Check out more at Whaler. That's W-H-A-L-A-R.com. And now it's time to bring up the headliner of the evening. Please welcome to the stage The Big Interview. Everything is 
is better with creators. I'm so excited today to invite Tommy D. Thank you so much, Tommy. You've got a long list of credits that I'm going to let you talk through, uh, but thank you for making the time. So tell us a bit about what is a fascinating career. We'd love to hear. This is a fascinating career. I feel honorably, 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 I feel uh, honored and blessed. I really do. Every day I, I, I kind of have to remind myself how lucky I am. Um, I have, well, I, I left school very early. Um, I didn't really leave school. I left school without any qualifications. I just kind of wanted to get out in the world and see things which you could sort of do back in my day. It's a bit harder now. I appreciate that. But yeah, I just got out early. I went straight into being a musician. I always loved making music. I, I really love playing the guitar and taught myself, I'm entirely self-taught, guitar, drums, bass, keyboards, singing, everything. And um, went and worked in music shops and, you know, did gigs and stuff like that. And and then got into DJing and DJing was great because it kind of opened up a world for me. You didn't really need to do too much to DJ. You just need to have a great record collection, which was which was really good. And, um, you know, so I started DJing and then I got into music production. I, I, I was lucky enough to buy a bunch of different equipment uh, through DJing and stuff like that and just working in, in my bedroom, really, and working on ideas. And uh, one day I met a couple of guys and they gave me a cassette tape and I listened to the cassette tape and I was like, wow, you know, this is kind of really funny. It's a bit silly. And um, I went back into my studio in my bedroom and I made this track up in a couple of hours, took it down to them next time I was DJing. And uh, we played it and, you know, we liked it, went to the studio, recorded a vocal and put it out and that song was a song called I'm Too Sexy and that song went on to be like number one record all over the world and and you know huge massive hit and it kind of opened up a load of doors for me um which was which was great because I'd made it in my bedroom so it was like I was one of the first sort of bedroom DJs everybody makes music on laptops now but I was I know there's a lot of fans there's a lot of fans of Right Said Fred out there when I mentioned you were coming on so yeah, amazing. Oh man! Uh, so, so I did that, and then basically I just carried on making music. I carried on, you know, I got into songwriting and producing. And um, over the years, I've worked with all kinds of incredible artists like Kanye West and Jay Z and Beyonce and Kylie Minogue and Tom Jones and <laughs> Corinne Bailey Ray and uh, loads of really, really great, great people. I'm still working very much in music now. I'm doing less and less now because I'm doing so much more other things, which I know we'll come on to. Um, but I'm doing, a, a, you know, I still do a lot of music, still work with a lot of other uh, um, producers. I kind of end up co-producing a lot of time. And I work with my wife. We, we have a, a, a thing together where she works really just her, really, because she's amazing, of course. Um, but she's an incredible arranger, and I come and produce all her sessions. So, for example, we're working on uh, Noel Gallagher's record at the moment and a bunch of different other people. So yeah, it's really, really good. And I'm wow. very, very, very blessed, but I got into diversifying around music around about 10 years ago. I got into doing TV stuff with the BBC and I created my own whiskey company cause I'm a big fan of whiskey. And I thought there was a real interesting desire for a need for a whiskey that wasn't that, you know, that wasn't the obvious and was fitted in more with like nightclubs and festivals. And then I've always been into crypto. I got into crypto back in 2012 was the first time I really sort of I'm listening to Bitcoin and what that really kind of was. But I didn't really get properly into it until 2016. And that's when I started buying it. And that's when I started reading a lot about the underlying tech and understanding the concepts around blockchain and decentralization. And that really opened up my eyes to everything. And then two years ago, discovered NFTs. And here I am today you with are. the company Token Tracks. Well, listen, we'll definitely come on to that. I think that, uh, you know, is a very good link to technology. So I think there's always been a bit of a tension between creativity and technology. And you've obviously, as a musician, you've 
you've through the through the years have seen it come and embraced it and worked with it in different ways. I just wondered, you know, what what do you think as a as a creator, as a musician, what are the pros and cons of how technology has impacted the the industry? It's a really great question. I mean, I think technology and and art and creativity always have gone hand in hand. And actually, if you think about technology as a concept, everything that we look at, particularly music, you know, apart from the human voice, everything is technology, you know, from a musical instrument through to amplification, through to recording, all those kinds of things. Everything is technology in some way. You could argue that, you know, um, the printing press and Gutenberg and all that, you know, was technology that allowed people to transfer musical ideas, you know, and have them performed by other people. Um, musical notation, obviously, is an, is technology in itself, you know. So I think the concept around technology and creativity, they always go hand in hand. The question is, does one push the other or does, you know, what, what happens? I think it's a kind of wonderful symbiosis, which is, that often, and I'll use the example for example of, of say a drum machine, right? So a drum machine was created as originally as a little beat thing that went in the side of, of kind of organs back in the sort of 70s. So you'd have a little electronic organ and it would have a little beat thing going and it just kind of, you could kind of play along and it was like an accompaniment thing. But then people took that concept and they built them into designated boxes that created these beats. And then you got into programming them. So you could actually program where the snares and the drums were and stuff like that. And everyone at the time was like, and then, oh, and then one more iteration, of course. So the, the, the pro, early programmer drum machine, the most famous one is the TR-808. You've probably heard of 808s and, and Heartbreaks, Beats, whatever. You know, 808s are incredible boxes. So good, I named my whiskey company after 808. But they're really, really interesting boxes because they don't really sound like drums. They sound like kind of electronic drums, if you know what I mean. If you heard it, you'd know what I mean. But they were kind of supposed to sound like drums. And then sampling came along. And the first sampling drum machine, which was, I think, the LM1, the Lin, Lin Drum Machine 1, that sort of sort of sounded like drums. And at the time, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, this is going to destroy drummers. They're never going to work again. Well, you know, fast forward four years, drummers are still working. They're still fine. They're still out there playing. Drum machines have morphed into electronic beats, which is basically, if you listen to most of the top 40, it's pretty much all computer-generated beats, which stemmed from the drum machine. So the concept of technology taking the place of human beings, I, I don't, there's never any aspect of creativity that I think a, a technology could take away from human beings. Can it make it more interesting? Can it make it more different and varied? Can it add to it? Absolutely. And that's why I think what I love about technology and creativity is that concept that it allows you to do things in a different way that maybe you hadn't really thought about. The best musical instruments are the ones that talk to you and kind of give you something and then you give something back. And it's like a conversation that you're having with them. You know, I, they're the best. And, you know, we uh, at Whaler, we work with a lot of creators who clearly work on a lot of the big platforms, you know, whether it's Meta or TikTok or Twitter or YouTube and so on. I guess in music, it was very much around the streaming platforms. How have you embraced sort of streaming platforms over the years and and worked with them? Streaming, the, the music stream platforms have, we kind of have a love, you know, us creators have a love-hate relationship with them. I mean, I think it's well documented that there are issues around royalty payments 
out of all the streaming platforms, I think Spotify provides one of the best services. Um, it's an incredible algorithm. Uh, you are in the, you know, you, you've got a, a situation basically where you've got the ability to listen to any, you know, well, 70 million tracks um, that you you didn't never have that before. I mean, so from the point of view of being able to find music and share music with people, we're in the best period ever. I mean, it's, it's absolutely yeah. phenomenal. From the point of view of getting paid from that situation, that's a problem. And that's one that we try and address and I think can be addressed via blockchain and, and NFTs. I think the thing is, is the system that has built up over recorded music over time and the system by which I mean, you know, the district, you know, look, music needs to be made somehow. It needs to be made by musicians and, and studios and, and or laptops or whatever. It then needs to be uh, registered, you know, all these different aspects around it. Is it a song? Is it the performances within the song? Is it is it a recording of that song? Is it the performances within that recording? And there are all these different aspects, legal precedents that are set um, around what, you know, IP. And that all needs to be documented yeah, and paid accordingly. Yeah. So the system really is what needs updating. It's not just streaming. Streaming is a product of the system. If, if you... The if you talk about uh, if you're a sort of advising musicians and we'll transition to uh, creators outside of musicians, but if you if you're advising musicians on how to embrace that technology and those platforms, what what would you say to them? How how, how should they think about them? Um, it's a great question. I think that a lot of people think that kind of NFTs are, are going to be and blockchain is going to come along and kind of take over from streaming. I disagree. I think that is a system that needs sorting out. That is a, a structure that needs sorting out. But it's an art that what's going, what you've got at the moment is you've got a stranglehold by a few people, really, you know, by a few majors, by a few live companies, and by a few streaming platforms. And they're kind of controlling so much element of that. So, you, so they're not going to let go of that control. You can't force them to let go. I mean, they're not, they, they, they you know, they've recently the UK DCMS. Uh, um, published report into streaming that was absolutely damning of everything. Is anything going to change? Probably not. Because they've got more, they've got all the power and they've got all the money. What you can do is create an alternative system. And if you create an alternative system, what happens is that system becomes in itself uh, powerful and lucrative. And if it becomes lucrative and powerful, then it starts putting pressure on the other system. And you've seen it in the past with music. You know, what, 15, 20 years ago, we were all buying CDs. There were CD pressing plants. There were, um, you know, artists making up CD booklets. There were all kinds of things, you know. It's all gone. I mean, you know, very few CD places now. Vinyl, ironically, is, is, on, is always on the up. But CD pressing plants are gone. So, you know, and if you walk down any major high street, you know, if you walk down Oxford Street in London, 20 years ago and you pointed out all the record shops in London and you go, they'll all be gone in 20 years. No one would believe you, but they have, they've yeah. all gone. They're yeah. not there anymore. So technology is going to change our situation, whether we like it or not, because it just does. That's what happens. It get it, when the technology comes along, that gives you a better user experience, a more lucrative user experience for the, those of people that are behind it, it will change. And blockchain is that system. So, so I, I think that, 
you know, on the whole, I think the the way that musicians should interact is no different. You need to build your two communities. This is very, very important. You probably want to write this down, you kids out there. You need to build two communities. You've got your online community and you've got your local community. If you're an artist or a musician, you should be working just as hard on your local community as you should on your your, your online community, you should be going out there and trying every opportunity to build interest in what you're doing around you. If there are places to play, if you're a musician or places to DJ, if you're a DJ, try and create a, like a regular night where you can invite all your friends to come down. They can invite all their friends. You create a vibe. You encourage if you if you play in bands or and you've got mates who play in bands and maybe you make a night of it and you have two or three bands on. If you're a DJ and you've got other mates to DJ, maybe you bring them on as well. You build your local community and you encourage everybody in your local community to come to your event. And don't pick a weekend, pick a weeknight. Always better, pick a weeknight, right? So you build your community locally. Then you can then start looking at how you build your community online. And the, the, the irony about online is everyone goes, oh, yeah, I can, I can reach everybody in the world. Well, of course, you can't reach everybody in the world because, as we all know, the documented, well-documented algorithms make sure that you can't do that. But what you can do is build engagement and excitement online by the stuff that you're doing locally. So the locally, they both kind of feed each other. You can do you know, content from your events. You can do live streams from your events. And these go on, and then people start going, wow, this is some shit's going down over here. This is really, really cool. We should be a part of this. I'm going to follow it, blah, blah, blah. And the two kind of feed each other. And then when you've got more of an online presence as well, then your local community start going, oh, what's he doing online? Oh, wow, he's going to do that. And then you start getting bookings outside of your local community, and then the thing grows and grows and grows. But the key is, is to look at both these communities as two separate things and to look at ways of building both of them so they can interact together eventually. That's why I always suggest to people, and that seems to work every time I suggest it to people, and then they actually implement Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brain or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. And do you think that applies? Obviously, you know, we've talked about musicians mainly. We deal with creators that have tens of millions of followers on TikTok or Instagram, and they can be anything from climate change activists to doctors to dancers, you know, you name it. Do you think the same rules apply? Is it is it the same, you know, if you were thinking about advice for those communities? Do you, I know you, you like this sort of concept of a thousand true fans, is it? Is it? Does, does the same rules apply? I think the interesting thing about a thousand true fans is um, that 
I mean, I think just to kind of give a broad strokes answer to your question, you have to ask yourself, first of all, what is your end goal? What, what's your plan here? You know, is your plan to be a brand that touches into a number of different touch points because you've got a big TikTok following? You can obviously use that, for example, as a way to tap into all these different areas. Or it might be that, you know, you are in some way a creative, you're an artist or you're um, a singer or something like that. And what you're eventually trying to do is plug into the bigger system, the, the traditional music business system of label, major label, major publisher, you know, streaming gigs, whatever. So I think obviously it's a very broad strokes question, like, you know, because everybody's different. I mean, climate activists are not singers and dancers, but there are obviously things, certain things that apply to both, but there are certain things that are specific to that. So I think the, the first question you have to ask is what what is your end game? What is your end goal here in the sense of what are you trying to do for you? And what are you trying to do for your thing that you love, that you're promoting or you're talking about? If it's you you're promoting, it's different than a climate activist, isn't it? So I think in regards to that, you really have to hone in on why you're there. Why, what is it that you, what is your, what is your reason to exist on this platform? If you've got all these viewers and everything, why, why, you know, what, what do you, what can you do with it? What is your inbuilt drive? My inbuilt drive is to try and support people and support creatives because I love creative people. You know, I've spent my entire life surrounded by creative people. And so creativity is hugely important to me. I've done a whole study on it and done a whole uh, educational program called Harmony Through Mixology, which is all about the essence of creativity and why you are creative and what you can do to stay creative and all these little tips and tricks and stuff like that. So the question, that's what I love. That music just became a vehicle for me to be around creative people. That, yeah. was, that was a really exciting thing. And also collaboration. I love working with people and I love being walking into a studio in the morning with four other people and coming out 10 hours later with a song. I mean, it's just insane. I'd still to this day blows my mind how that works. Mm. So all of this stuff was, was really important to me. Um, so I think, you know, why do you do this? Why, why are you here? You know, you, you're, you, you, not to make money, not to be famous, because if you want to make money, you can go and be a dustman because they make tons of money, you know, plumbers make a shit ton of money, right? You know, you want to be famous? Well, there are tons of things to make you famous, mostly to do illegally. But, you know, if really that's what you want, then you, you're not use, you're not really using this platform properly. You're not really using your position in this world properly. You should really have a passion that you are, that you need to do, that, you dri that you're driving to do. And as I said, mine is to support artists so my concept was always like how can i do things to support artists whether well, it's as a producer whether it's as a, a whiskey maker or whether it's as a uh, you know a tech entrepreneur well let's talk about that so you're uh, most recently founder of or co-founder of a company called token tracks uh, nft music platform um just tell us sort of succinctly about you know what what token tracks is about and and then that yeah we've definitely got a few more questions because the crypto topic is a hot one uh, but let's start with token tracks <laughs> okay so um as i said right at the beginning my love of uh, love of all things disruptive uh, led me to crypto um and once i understood the underlying technology which was how incredible this decentralized system could really radically shake up stuff. And, you know, I think, you know, we've all got, we, I think all of us can look around us and say, hang on, something's not right about this system that we're all in. And I think COVID has just magnified that even more. Um, so I think, 
as a concept, I really like the con the, the idea of decentralized uh, financial system that allows people to be a lot more in control of their own finances um, and also in control of, of what they do with their finances. I think that's really key. Um, and so NFTs came along and I saw that NFTs were really interesting because they were for the first time, I think a lot of people struggled with cryptocurrency before because they were like, you know, we come from a world where you ha you have something in your hand, you know, I've got this bottle top and it's a bottle top, you know, and what's a Bitcoin? Well, like people go, well, do I have it in my pocket? And, you know, and, you know, what's an Ethereum? Is it, you know, but you get an NFT and because you can attach an NFT to anything, you can say, well, it's, it's a picture, it's a piece of music, it's a this, or that. People can, I think, uh, understand that better. And I think I realized that and I realized that there was a huge wealth of opportunity around music and this as a concept. Um, but the thing was, at the time, there wasn't really anybody doing much around NFTs and music. This was a couple of years back, a few, few whispers around, uh, around stuff. I also realized that very, very importantly, that the current system, the current music business, as I said, is so powerfully, it's so powerful. 90%, I think it's or 95% of all top 10 singles of the last 10 years have been on one of three majors, which is either Warner, Sony, or Universal. You've got to work with those people. And I realized that because I've worked with major labels all my life as a music producer and a songwriter. I've been signed to one, I've been, you know, whatever. So I knew that if I were going to do something, it had to in involve the majors. And so I sat down with a bunch of different crypto friends and said, look, I've got this idea about doing an NFT project kind of program, marketplace, platform, I don't know, um, which has a very close connection to music. And because of my understanding, having been all these different jobs, I think I'm very uh, well versed in understanding what all these different people need from an NFT experience. And we all agreed this was a great idea. And we built a team and the team's got bigger and bigger and bigger. Over time, I realized that actually what I'm very interested in is looking at lots of different aspects around music that I think have got huge opportunity for blockchain. So the first thing we're doing is the NFT marketplace, token tracks, NFT marketplace. Um, which is a, a, a one-stop shop, really, for all creators to come on board and be able to do all kinds of stuff around NFTs with their music and their IP rights and, you know, things like Merchandise Live, all kinds of stuff like that. But actually, I like to think now of, of Token Tracks as this. I think Token Tracks is, an, is a tech company that innovates every way that we engage with music. So how can you engage on a metadata level with, you know, how can you engage on royalty collection? How can you engage when you're in a studio with collecting up that data in the first place? There's all kinds of things that I think are really, really intriguing that I'm getting more and more into. And as token tracks will unfold, we have an innovation hub now, and you will start to see lots of different areas where I believe we can look at and start improving using blockchain. Could I, so let's make a bridge from sort of music NFTs to, uh, you know, all forms of creators, because I, I guess, I, you know, I don't want to oversimplify it, but there's a big element of this is about monetization, right? And, uh, and revenue generations as much as it is about the creativity and, and the artists. So we, we're, again, you know, we, we've probably got listeners that are creators of all sorts and they're on all these other platforms day to day thinking about what you you know you've learned at token traps how should they think about nfts like what are the different ways in which uh, a, a creator could use nfts to continue that relationship with their fans um 
the fan thing is really important. I think, you know, we could, we talk about community a lot in, in crypto. And, and if you look at, you know, tokens themselves, they build communities around them. The, to- the communities that are built around a token, for example, or a project are built because they, they love the team, they respect the team, they respect the, the, the token, the um, tokenomics, and they respect the product and, and, and everything about it. And so there's, it's a support kind of concept. Well, you know, in the music business, we've done that all our life. It's called building a fan base. And when you sign, you know, when you come out, uh, when, when you first start, you know, what do you do? You go and play gigs. Why do you play gigs? You're playing gigs because you're trying to collect fans. You're trying to collect fans that like what you do and come to your next gig. And then they might buy like a T-shirt. If you, if you give them some merch, they might buy some T-shirts and they might book you for more gigs. And then if you're lucky, you might get signed. And you, that whole thing then becomes taken to a whole international level and you might start playing gigs in different countries and going on radio shows and all that kind of stuff and your gigs get bigger and bigger and bigger this is building a community this is what you do in music and so building a community about what you do around what you do is the whole concept of blockchain and now of course you can do this anyway you don't need blockchain you can go to patreon or or friends, friend, what they call, um, I can't remember what it's called, but you know, there are lots of different, only friends. There are lots of different platforms which allow you to go and do this in, to, in today's world. You can sign up with an email address. You can give someone 20 quid a week and, you know, so they can, whatever, you know, to get into their community. The big difference, I think, with blockchain is that there is a number of things that one can do digitally around that relationship that can't be done through an email and a credit card. Um, Geocentric stuff, for example. So you could be at a gig and you could be, uh, the phone tells the blockchain that you're at that gig. And in theory, you can airdrop something to their wallet, uh, which might be a, a, for example, a free t-shirt, like a a code for a free t-shirt at the merch stand. So you can do stuff geocentrically like that that's really, really interesting, which you couldn't do if it was just an email address because you know, there, there would be elements of that that wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be available. I think the key thing here, though, is, uh, and obviously things like royalties and stuff like that you can do as well. The key thing is, is that your fans, the people that are actually have done this, they bought into it, they become shareholders. And what happens is they can then trade their early stage investment in you. So, for example, I'm an artist that's just set out. My name's Ed Sheeran. I've just set out. I'm playing my guitar. I'm doing gigs. I need to raise five grand to make some demos, to go on tour and make a video, buy a camera so I can make a video, right? And so I'm looking to raise five grand, right? You know, well, how would you do it? You would go in traditional terms. You would go and sign to a label or you'd, you'd get some kind of support. you get a bank loan or something like that. With an NFT, you could, in theory, you could say, right, I've got 10 songs here. I'm going to give five of these songs. I'm going to give away half of the publishing on each one of those songs. Okay? So if you own an NFT, I'm going to make 100 NFTs of each one of those songs. And each one owns 0.5% of the royalty of that song. Now, he's a young artist. You don't know who he is. But you like him. You think, you know, I like this kid. He's cool. He's making nice music. 200 bucks, I'll give you 200 bucks, no problem. So Ed's generated whatever, five five grand, 10 grand, whatever. He's now made a video. Okay, fast forward five years, Ed Sheeran is Ed Sheeran. He's huge. Those tracks right at the beginning, wow, they're now worth 
a huge amount. The, per the percentages of those royalties are generating 20, 10, 20, 30, 40, 150 millions, whatever, a year. That NFT that you bought for 200 bucks is now worth 200 grand, potentially. And you could have traded that at any point. And so that, you could have traded it two or three years after Ed Sheeran had become big, or if you were smart, you could have kept hold of it yeah. and kept it for even longer. And maybe you're still keeping hold of it now. And Ed Sheeran's just getting bigger and bigger and your NFT is getting more and more valuable. Now, you might do this for, to 100 artists, 100 artists, and only one of them will come through. But that one, that's the biggie. And that's the one that goes, woohoo. And you, it's exciting. If, if at the very least, all you've done is supported an artist because you like their music they were making. Is that is that a bad thing? No, of course not. If you've managed to earn out of that because you've got an NFT of it and you've managed to trade that on, well, whoopee-doo, that's incredible. Now, that, that concept, I think you can apply to pretty much anything, anything at all. If you are a creator, whether you're a, you know, a, a visual creator, a musical creator, a poet, or or whatever, you know, you could apply that element of ownership in something that you do. I mean, we're even seeing the potential to create ownership in you as a person. And I think actually that concept is where we're ultimately going yeah. to go. In you know, 10 years time, we'll all have millions of micropayments being paid to us left, right and center because of who we are and because of what we generate. So at the moment, it's around specific things. Here's a song, I'm giving away half of the publishing. But that's only because the world is based on this legal system and this royalty system. You start making a, a, a completely new, separate system that is generating incomes in different ways, then very soon, that old system becomes the record shops of the high street 20 years ago. Yeah. It becomes redundant, or it needs to pivot into making itself relevant. Either way, it changes. So I think the message is loud and clear to our, you know, our, our listeners who are creators of, you know, pretty much any, any shape or size is to, you know, this is very much at the, at the very earliest stages and it's something they should experiment with and they should be educating with because it could be, you know, it could be their number one way of generating revenues in the future. Absolutely. And I think it will be the number one. I, 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 it's not if. It's just when, yeah. you know, I, I'm, I, I saw this with, with the internet at the beginning. I saw this with the advent of streaming. I remember being in 1997 at the Brit Awards in the, in the UK and talking to all the heads of the labels going on about Napster. And they were like, oh, we'll get our lawyers to deal with it, you know. And I'm like, the customer's always right. And I see it in blockchain. I see that there is something intriguing about people getting involved with NFTs, getting involved with trading, getting involved with flipping things, getting involved in support in being able to support each other as a community. I see that there's something very powerful about that. What is restricting it at the moment is the technology. That you, we all know that's coming. Yeah. That's the thing that is easy. That's the thing that just takes time to develop. Develop. You know, look at the internet, you know, from scratching around around the back of your telephone line to unplug it so you can plug it into your laptop or your computer so you can get online. Now we take it for granted. Yeah. Now we totally take it for granted. So it's about the technology getting to where we are. But I see in people the same enthusiasm and passion and excitement that I saw back at the beginning of the internet, back at the beginning of Acid House, you know, when everyone was, was walking around thinking it was just drug craze. Right? No, it wasn't. It was a movement. And I can see the same thing. You know, that movement is now... 
10 billion dollar dance music industry that spans every single club in the world so it it it, it is coming and if you want my advice go for it yeah. get in there get into twitter get into spaces get on discord get on telegram buy some nfts just go and start buying some nfts and getting a feel for how it is and i do a twitter space every monday at 6 p.m uk time um and we get you know a couple of hundred people in there and we talk about music and we talk about nfts and that is one of the best places to listen to things things like things like what i'm doing now and blogs and and twitter spaces are a great place just to hear people talking about it but the best 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 um experience of all and best way of learning is just get out there and do it yeah so you heard it here i think loud and clear uh what the advice is i'm going to end with a with a question and you know we're doing obviously with whaler we we bring together some of the biggest brands in the world with these creators that we we've been talking about in, that come in all shapes and sizes and clearly within the music world brands have associated with music for forever forever more i just you know when when you think about um for the advertisers listening to our program like where why is it important that they do find ways to work with creators and to and to have those partnerships what 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 does it bring to them and you know maybe how should they think about them if if you know they're not doing it today well i think the interestingly the answer to that question is slightly referring back to the answer about creators and the the concept around any brand should first and foremost be well, well why are you here what's what it, what is the point of you existing you know are you making washing machines okay what why is your washing machine better than everybody else's washing machine and a lot of the time, it's not necessarily to do with the actual uh, component and stuff. Um, I would ref the answer to this question is I would refer back to what the question you asked earlier about what can creators do? You know, what 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 can they do to tap into this? And I, and the answer I gave was, well, why why is this creator here? What is what is their purpose for being on this platform? You know, and you know, not 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 to make money, not to be successful. Same thing with brands. Why do you create washing machines? Why do you create, you know, I, you know, why does Apple do what Apple does? Why do we all fall in love with Apple? And and then so the the question to get to the essence of what you do involves that kind of creative brain because when you are working with creators, that's when you start to feel an essence back into what it is that it is that you're actually there for. So it's really important to work with creators as a brand because you're going to start seeing things in a different way. Creators are always people that will look at things in a different way. They will disrupt stuff. They'll try and think of angles that you hadn't thought of. And let's face it, everything around us is the product of creativity. Absolutely everything that we make as a, as a race is the product of creativity. And that stems from that simple question of why. What, why does that do that over here? You know, why can't it do that over there? And, how can I get this to go there? And, you know, and that's what I do all day long is sit there questioning everything. And I think that you as a brand, you need to question everything. You need to, to always think at the heart of what you're doing. Why, why are you here? Ah, the heart of token tracks is to absolutely innovate every single aspect of the way that we engage with music. That's it. That's the heart of what we're doing. It's pretty broad, but that's because there is so much to do. 
but we will look at every aspect of how we all engage in music, how we look at it, how we find it, how we love it, how we share it, everything. And we'll look at ways of making that experience simpler, better, more efficient, more lucrative for everyone and more fun. Because at the end of the day, this has to be fun. What we're doing here has to be fun. Tommy, it's been fascinating. Thank you so much. But thank you for having me. We hope you've enjoyed what you've heard and will come along with us as we navigate this journey with the promised land of the creator economy. Make sure to subscribe or follow our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you like to listen to audio. And of course, we'd love a rating and review if you get the opportunity. And a special thanks to Tommy D for joining us. Make sure to check out more from Whaler and all things at the intersection of a talent network, partnerships, technology, and creativity at whaler.com. And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For everything is better with creators, I'm Marco Batozzi. We'll catch you next time. is produced by Whaler. Whaler, we power the creator economy. Learn more at whaler.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 